Hi, I'm the host, Chip James. And I'm the producer, Katie Matthews. And if you're anything like us, you have a heart for Dayton, Ohio. And maybe you've been looking for a place where you can hear more about the interesting people and businesses that make Dayton such a special place to call home. Well, that's why we created the new Dayton podcast to celebrate a new era in our great town. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. With the holidays approaching and obviously a new year, a new decade right around the corner, a lot of us have a topic on our mind uh, that is sort of all the rage right now, or at least it's in mainstream, right? So minimalism and simplicity. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that we have a sought after minimalism and simplicity coach right here in the Dayton area. Uh, She's literally written a book on it. Her name is Rose Lounsbury. And a good friend of ours, Joni Wire, suggested that we have a sit down with Rose to talk all things minimalism, simplicity, simplifying your life. And I'm so glad that we talked to Rose. Yeah, and I feel like the this topic can sometimes make people feel um, little, guilty about the things uh-huh. they have. But That was me. Yeah. The, I think, she, obviously, she's great at talking about this, and she really turned the conversation into more of, you know, our relation, what our relationship with our things are mm-hmm. like instead of, you know, don't have anything. It's what right. is your relationship to your things. Right. So, the things that you do have. Right. Right. So releasing this right before Christmas, mm-hmm. the goal is not to <laughs> strike <laughs> guilt and shame into your Christmas shopping right. sprees, but perhaps to spark some intentionality in what you buy for yourself and for others and kind of what you bring into your home mm-hmm. during this holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, right? It's a, it's a busy time when we're usually just adding, you know, and not so much subtracting. But I think if people listen closely to what she's saying, I think you guys will get a lot out of uh, sort of the concepts and just sort of the relationship, like like Katie said. So uh, sit down, relax, and enjoy a chat with Rose Lounsbury. Your resume, your bio is really impressive. All right, I'm going to read a little bit of it. But okay. Minimalism and Simplicity Coach. Amazon best-selling author, the book Less, Minimalism is, or Minimalism for Real. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. And TEDx speaker, TEDx Dayton? Yes. When was that? Uh, 2018. Awesome, so yeah. recent. We can yeah. talk about that a little bit. And then Still Sane Mom of Triplets. Yeah. Just saying that you, <laughs> that you uh, are simplicity and minimalism, but also have triplets, I think, makes you kind of unique. Uh, I have four kids, and I, oh. and I feel like... We'd be super like minimalistic and just clean if it weren't for the four tornadoes. Yeah, they're the problem, aren't they? Well, we tell ourselves that. <laughs> <laughs> I use that as a crutch at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so day to day, what's day to day look like for you? Well, day to day, I think my house and my life is pretty normal. And I think that's what people would probably be most surprised by. I will be honest, the fact that you guys were coming to my house made mm-hmm. me a little bit nervous because. I think when you put yourself out there as I'm a minimalism coach or a simplicity coach and I live a simplified lifestyle, I think sometimes people expect that your house looks like a magazine or they expect that you live in a home where there are no toys and no one's allowed to sit on the furniture. Guilty. 
Right, and that's not the case. I mean, my house has normal things. There's like crafts that my daughter mm -hmm. made. There are toys, there are books. I mean, there are shoes visible yep. in the home. And so I think day to day, my house and my life is very similar to other people's, except I try really intentionally to quiet the excess noise. Mm -hmm. And so I think what can happen really easily is if we're unconscious about it, stuff just comes into our lives. It comes into my life and I try pretty hard to keep excess stuff out. But right. if we're not conscious about it, it just, you know, oh, we buy that, buy one, get one free. Or, oh, the kids got more things for Christmas. Or, oh, right. that's on sale. Let me buy it in all the colors. And we just sort of accumulate things without realizing that at a certain point, that is going to cause us stress. Right. Our closets are going to be stuffed. We're not going to be able to get out the door quickly in the morning because we can't find our keys because there's so much stuff by the front door. The kids can't find matching socks because there's just piles and piles of laundry. Yeah. And I know that that's what will happen if right. I let the excess stuff come in. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm doing the normal things everyone else is doing, getting my kids up, getting them breakfast, getting them off to school. But I have simplified things so like if you open up my cupboards there aren't tons and tons of dishes right. and i also on top of simplifying things i do have some systems that work pretty well to keep things simplified so we know okay the dishwasher gets run at night in the morning there's a job someone has a job to empty it and then they move the little thing to say the dishwasher now has dirty dishes in it and so we put the dirty dishes yep. in so there's there's simplicity in terms of not a lot of stuff, but then on top of that, there are systems. In systems, place. and yeah. so, but it's not that things are never crazy. I mean, sure. I yell at my kids and I get frustrated. I'm like, oh, come no. on, let's get out the door. It's not that I'm living this perfect right. life, but I think the difference is, I I know pretty much how to reset relatively quickly. And before I adopted a minimalist lifestyle, I didn't. Mm -hmm. To clean my house, or, like to get it ready for you guys to come mm -hmm. over here, it took like 10 minutes. Right. You know, I made sure it looked extra tidy. Right. In my opinion, you might, walk in, you might walk in and think it's not tidy. Because again, it's very relative, right? I said on the front stoop, I wonder if she feels pressure when people come over. Because it's like, well, she's perfect. But I, I like do. that you're saying that you're yeah, not perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've noticed is I think other people when I come to their house, feel a pressure or they feel like mm -hmm. I'm judging them. And I'm like, I am not judging you. Yeah. You know, I think everyone should live in a way, really the goal of minimalism is to feel at peace in your home, really mm -hmm. to feel at peace in your life. Right. That's a feeling. Right. That's not the way something looks. And I think that's what people don't understand. Like I feel at peace in my home. Yeah. Other people might walk in here and feel claustrophobic because it's a 1,500 square foot house right. with five humans and a cat living right. in it. So it's not a large home. Some people might say, this home is too small. I can't breathe in here. Right. That's a feeling. So they should live in a bigger home than I do. But I feel relief and peace when I walk in the door mm -hmm. of my home. And so that's how I know that I'm living the mm -hmm. life that I want to live. Yeah, so with my day job of going in and out of people's houses with buyers and sellers, yeah. it's funny to see, it's not funny, but it's interesting to note the people who love their home, right? The, whether it's big, small, you know, people who love home, who hate to leave home, who are sad to sell or sad to yeah. move. It's usually coincides with them also having like a really, it doesn't have to be perfect, but like neat, put together, they know where everything is, it's organized, it's peaceful. Yeah, it's that, it's that feeling of calm. And when I work with people and I ask them, you know, what they want, what are you working toward? Nobody ever says, I want my home to look like a magazine or I want mm -hmm. my home to look perfect. 
they always use feeling words. Oh, they say, I want to feel at peace. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to relax. That's I want surprising. to feel calm. Mm -hmm. So what we're all working toward is a feeling, not an aesthetic. Right. However, the aesthetic can influence the feeling, right? right? And there have been plenty of studies done that show that people in cluttered environments their stress levels rise or cortisol levels rise. And that's very true. If we're in a cluttered environment, we can't think as well. We are visually mm -hmm. distracted, meaning we're mentally distracted, which is why we don't feel calm. Right. So mm -hmm. all of those things kind of play together. It's a chemical thing, mm -hmm. literally. You, Absolutely. I was on the phone with my brother-in-law recently. He's out in, in California and he sounded particularly energized and like in a okay. good mood. Yeah. And I was like, what's up? What, what's been going on? He's like, oh, I did my closet yesterday. <laughs> did. That's what we say when we like right. air quote did. Right. Mm -hmm. Meaning I just got rid of stuff. I organized it. I cleaned yeah. it. That's what did means, right? Right. And he's like, I go, yeah, I did my closet recently. It's amazing. And yeah. he goes, I want to do my closet to my life. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, that's I think that's what the I do, yeah. right? That's what I do. It's that same principle. I mean, when I leave people's homes or people who take my courses do, you know, a testimonial or something at the mm. end, or they tell me how it impacted them, they always say, I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. I just feel so much better. And that's the thing. You feel energy because I think we don't always realize when there's excess stuff in our home, mm -hmm. when we have clutter, when we have physical access, it's actually weighing on us mm -hmm. in, on an emotional level. And we don't even always realize how much until it's gone. Yeah. Because when it's gone, you feel this relief and you're like, how could I have been walking around with all of that heaviness on me? But you didn't realize that right. it was heavy on you because we slowly I felt accumulated. It. Yeah, I love the way the conversation is going. It's so true what you're saying. And the kitty cat is joining us and it's totally fine. But so I had a home in Centerville, Washington Township that we lived in and it just didn't feel like home to me. I never really felt mm. like I liked it. We went away. We, we, in the process of moving away, we kept the home, but we took most of our stuff because we didn't want to buy all new stuff. Right. So we just kind of kept what was needed there and took everything else to Florida. Okay. Well, one year later, we moved back into the home in Centerville and we didn't bring any of the stuff back. Okay. And I loved the house. I was like, man, I love this house. And it was like, <laughs> what changed? Well, we got rid of half of our stuff. And it was yeah. like, every time you walked in the door that it was more peaceful. There, things were where they belonged. There wasn't just stuff everywhere. There weren't three yeah. couches in a room that needed one. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that that is something that people don't always realize is a lot of feng shui or a lot of what you like when you look at a display in Ikea mm -hmm. or a display in any store or this looks organized, it looks nice. The reason it looks nice or it feels nice is because there's not a lot of stuff there. Right. There aren't a lot of things. And so if you look at any advertisement for a closet organization system, for example, mm -hmm. it looks beautiful. Then I, I say, okay, count how many shirts there are. There's, there's like only, seven. Yeah, there's like seven <laughs> shirts. So tell me, would it be difficult to organize your closet if you only had seven shirts? No. Right. My children could organize a closet with only seven shirts. Right. And so I think when we're, we're looking for that feeling of being, quote, I'm using the air quotes, organized, mm -hmm. a lot of times what we want, what we're desiring is minimized we're desiring yeah. decluttered because when you declutter just like you did in your house right. you didn't have to do anything else like you just got rid of the excess stuff you didn't need and suddenly oh wow it feels great right, right. i feel great yeah so great so it's leading right into the next segue for me okay so let's let's hold that thought okay getting rid of stuff feels great okay and i love your quote i think it was on instagram 
Less stuff means less anxiety and more freedom, energy, and positivity. So that's like, okay, it's validation. I get it. I need to have less stuff. But then you also say minimalism is getting very clear about what you want and then having the guts to let go of everything else. So clear about what you want and having the guts to let go of other stuff. That's where I fall short and I I struggle. Mm -hmm. I bet people listening to this will feel the same way. It's the, at least for me, I know how much I spent on those pairs, that, that pair of shoes. Right. That I don't need anymore and they're totally worn down, but there's no holes in them. So right. I feel guilty throwing them away because I spent $60 on them nine years ago. Right. Literally. <laughs> like I'm picturing the know, shoes. I know. I've had this conversation. These shoes actually exist, I'm sure. They do. Oh, yeah. I have 10. I, my wife would say, I literally in the garage, I think I have 10 pairs of old running shoes, okay. trainers, like Nikes or New Balance, whatever, that at one time were just lounging around shoes. Okay. And then they weren't good enough to still go out in public in, but yeah. they weren't bad enough to become lawn mowing shoes. Right. They're in the in-between. They're in the in-between. Yeah. And I can't throw them away. I don't have the guts to throw them away because I know I spent 70 bucks on them. Yeah. And you know, that definition of minimalism, I thought for a long time, I kept trying to come up with what's my definition of minimalism. Because I would do speaking engagements, I would go talk to people, and I would always use someone else's definition. Mm-hmm. And then there was one day I was driving to the Y to work out and that definition popped into my head and I'm like, that is mm-hmm. it. That's exactly what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's about getting clear about what you want. So the first thing is, you know, what do you want? Do you want room to breathe? Do you want to feel at peace in your home? Do you want to walk in your home and know where everything is? Do you want to have less stress in the morning, getting mm-hmm. ready, getting your family ready, getting out the door? What is it that you want? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you get very clear about that. And then the second step is having the guts Mm -hmm. to let go of everything else. And I put having the guts specifically because it's not necessarily easy, right? right? If it was easy, there would be no point in us having this conversation. There'd be no point in Marie Kondo having a show on Netflix or The Minimalist having a documentary because what we are dealing with when we're dealing with our stuff is we're not actually Mm -hmm. dealing with our stuff. Right. What we're dealing with are our feelings and emotions about our stuff. Attached to the stuff. Right. And feelings and emotions are not easy to deal with. They're tricky. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about your shoes, right, you're not really dealing with those shoes as a thing. You're dealing with that feeling of, well, I spent my hard earned money, this feeling of maybe like pride. You even said the word guilt. So you're dealing with feelings of guilt. I often compare it to someone who might have an eating disorder. Mm. The issue with someone with an eating disorder is not food. If the issue was food, you could just give them a a diet plan, like eat this, 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 don't eat this, this, and this, and they'd be fine. Mm -hmm. That's not going to cure somebody with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. because what they're struggling with are their feelings about food. Mm. Does it make them feel safe? Does it make them feel shameful? Does it make them feel afraid? Does Mm. it make them feel happy? Like, what is it doing for them? Once they deal with the feelings, food is no longer a problem. Mm -hmm. So when people are dealing with their stuff, I often ask, about their feelings. So with your shoes, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, you're feeling guilty about buying them in the first place, buying them in the first (laughs) place, right? So you feel like you wasted your money Mm -hmm. buying them. So what I usually ask people is, okay, what would you go to the store today? And would you spend that same amount of money to buy these shoes again? Mm. The same shoes, the same shoes. Would you, would you spend your $70? No. No. Then it's time to let them go. Yeah. Right. You but wouldn't. What, so then, what does letting them go mean? Because you literally just put them in the trash if they don't have holes in them. You can donate them. I mean, That's I tell people. That's the struggle with us men. Like we don't yeah. have the, the women's consignment world is a real thing. The yeah. men men's is not. That is true. I've not really thought about that, but you're right. There isn't as much in the men's consignment world. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a real go getter and you really want 
the money, you could sell them yourself uh-huh. on eBay. I mean, but who's going to go to that length? You right. can also just donate them. You yeah. can write it off on your taxes. Just drop them off at like a Goodwill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can let it go and realize that it's not doing you, that item also is not doing you any good mm-hmm. in your closet. Actually, it's only making you feel guilty. So yeah. it's actually doing negative to you to keep it. It's mm-hmm. not adding anything positive to your life because guilt is not positive. Right. So if you hold on to it, basically what you're holding on to is guilt. Yeah. You're not holding on to a pair of shoes. You're mm-hmm. holding on to guilty feelings. Mm-hmm. Why on earth would we want to hold on to guilty feelings? I don't know. So letting go of the <laughs> shoes actually is a way of letting go of the guilty feelings. Saying, you know what? I spent money on that and maybe I, I didn't use it as well as I thought that I would. Mm-hmm. But that's done and that's in the past. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let these shoes do good for somebody else. Right. Donated it with joy. Let that item be useful to someone else. And then what you, have, what you no longer have in your life is guilt. Because I guarantee you're never going to wish you had those shoes back. I'm, I would put a lot of money on that. I'm glad we made this all about me. It is all about you, Chip. <laughs> We're solving all your problems today. Oh, great. <laughs> no, that's really <laughs> smart. So, Do you have people that are afraid they're going to miss? So my problem isn't I'm going to miss them. Mm. My problem. But I wonder if some people are that way. Not shoes, but whatever. Yeah, that they're afraid that they're going to miss the item. Yeah, so I saw something, I think, maybe on your website about like memorabilia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people, men and women, who played sports in a past life or whatever. Yeah. Are hanging on to those little plastic trophies or yeah. those ribbons or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you come across that much? Oh, yeah. Yeah, memorabilia is a big category. And so I often tell people if you're actually going to go on this minimalism path, you're going to declutter your stuff. I always say, so first of all, we said dealing with your stuff is actually dealing with your emotions about your stuff. Mm-hmm. So to do this, you always start where the emotions are lowest. Mm. So don't start with the memorabilia because that's probably where the emotions are highest because so much of your identity or sense of self is tied up in those little plastic trophies. So I tell people start where it's easiest. So maybe with towels or things in your kitchen Mm -hmm. or things in your bathroom, maybe clothing, but some people have a lot of identity tied up in their wardrobe. Why is that? Clothing? Yeah, like I I see closets all the time, right? Through through Mm -hmm. my business and there's no way that we wear all the stuff that people keep in their closets. It's not possible. The amount no. of fabric is unbelievable. You only have one body to dress. Right. Yeah. And what? why is that? Do you think it's the guilty thing like I deal with with shoes or do you think it's... Mm, I think, well, I deal with a lot of women and I think for women especially, a lot of how we are judged and evaluated is on our physical appearance. Mm. So, and not that men aren't, mm-hmm. men definitely are, but I think for women, we are judged more. Mm-hmm. I don't have any like studies to prove that, but yeah. I think we all probably know women are judged more. Sure. And so clothing then becomes an expression of your value, okay. right? The more fashionable I am, the more valuable I am, the more acceptable I am, the more right. beautiful I am, the more people will like me. And that also plays into men, mm-hmm. I think to a lesser degree. And so then there's advertising, right? right? That's telling us every season, well, now this is what's in for fall right. and this is what's in for winter. And so if you've bought into the belief that the way I appear equals my personal value or worth, mm-hmm. then you, we all want to feel worth and personal value. So an easy way to do that is to go out and purchase things and put it on ourselves to make us look like we're more important. Right. To I think make men us do that too. feel more important. And yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. We yeah. all do that. And I think so what it really comes down to is this belief that these things make us better in some way. This thing, like 
makes me feel more whole. It makes me a more lovable person, mm -hmm. a more beautiful person. And so it's at that level, again, it's that level of our minds and our beliefs. Right. So once you kind of break that and you realize, you know what, what I wear has nothing to do with who I am or mm -hmm. how valuable I am mm -hmm. or how much people like me or how much I like myself. What I wear has nothing to do with that. I'm a lovable, worthwhile person just as I am. Mm -hmm then you no longer feel that desire mm -hmm. to fuel that self-worth by right. purchasing clothing. So I think that's kind of a deep answer to the yeah. question that you're asking, but I really think that that is the truth. It's, and that's, I used to be a, a sports shopper, a compulsive shopper. Hmm. So it was tied into my, and clothing was very difficult for me hmm. to, to go through and declutter. It was okay. probably one of the most difficult things for me to do because so much of my identity was tied up in how I dressed. And I actually dressed, for most of the time, I was dressing terribly. <laughs> I was dressing terribly. I was wearing yoga pants and hooded sweatshirts every day. Wait, so that's bad? It is, <laughs> yeah, it is not great. Because part of it was, and here's what it was, I had nice clothes, but I didn't wear them on a daily basis because I felt like <clears throat> it wasn't a special enough occasion to wear my nice clothes. Right. So I would dress down every single day and only dress up if it felt like it was a good enough reason. Interesting. So I felt like I'm not good enough to wear my nice clothes on a daily basis. And you know what, I am. Yeah. I'm good enough to wear a dress want. on any day that I want to, right? I'm good enough to wear like skinny jeans that fit me well any day that I want to. So. The irony is once I decluttered my clothing and I mean, I can show you guys my closet. You, you might be interested. You look at people's closets all the time. Like, there's like very little clothing in my closet. It's kind of shocking. And I dress so much better than mm. I ever did when I had my closets. I mean, it was probably at least eight to 10 times as much. When you so. have someone minimize their closet, let's just touch on that for a second. Yeah. Is there a number? Like, do you say, so someone like mm -hmm. me who wears a button down, you know, business casual shirt, is there like a, hey, you should have five because there's five work days? No, there no. isn't. You know, sometimes with people, I've done it two ways. People who get really overwhelmed by the amount of clothing they have and just being in their closet is overwhelming. Sometimes what I do is I sit down with them away from the closet with pen and paper mm -hmm. and we write out on paper how much they think they need. Yeah. So I'll say, okay, what do you wear for fall and winter and how many ish, I always say ish, do you think you need? So we actually write down, they'll say, okay, I need, I wear a button down every day mm -hmm. and there's five. So they might say five right. and I need X number of pairs of jeans. And so we, I have them tell me what they mm -hmm. think. And I guarantee you when we actually go to the closet and we try to make their numbers fit right. what's in the closet, they're always going to up it. Okay. So if they said they needed five button down shirts. They're probably going to keep eight or nine. When they go to the closet, when they say, go to yeah. the closet, uh -huh. but it just shows you that when we rationally think about how much we need, we're gonna probably put a lower number than when we actually go and do it. So that's one way that I've done this with people. Mm -hmm. Another way is I just, we go to the closet and we just take everything out and put it in like with like piles. Right. And then they go through each item and they say yes or no. Mm -hmm. So there's like reshopping with their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, basically it's going through and, and I first, before I do any of that, I have them talk to me about their vision mm -hmm. for themselves, their closet, physically the vision for their closet, but also, their vision for themselves as their style, as mm -hmm. how they want to dress, how do they want to feel in their clothing. Because again, it all comes back to how you feel, right? You want to feel confident, you want right. to feel comfortable, you want to feel attractive, maybe you want to look trendy, sporty, classic, bohemian. They'll, they'll right. start top throwing out some of those style words. And then the decision on every piece of clothing is, does this match that? 
Yeah. Does this help you get to that feeling of being trendy or boho or comfortable or calm or whatever it is? So yep. my biggest thing with clothing is not the amount that you keep, but how you feel in the clothes. Because I think a lot of us wear clothes that we don't feel good in. Mm-hmm. Um, we are either physically are uncomfortable in them or emotionally uncomfortable in the clothing. So I'm all about, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel beautiful for women? Mm-hmm. Do you feel attractive? Do you feel confident? I think men struggle with t-shirts. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> men you, you, do you know my husband? Are no. you guys friends? <laughs> I think you might be friends. It's the thing that I see a lot, uh, houses that I'm in, but also just with friends and family. It's not uncommon, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not uncommon in my opinion to see a 30-something male with over 70 t-shirts. Yes, yeah. What is that? You know, you're, you're delving into male psychology, which I really can't say I'm an expert in, but so with men in t-shirts, I think some of it is probably just not really caring that much. Like if they've got the space, and this is men and women, right? Get the space, and why not just keep putting them in the drawer? So again, it's kind of that unconscious consumption, right? Oh, I got this when I donated blood. I got this when I was on a flag football team. I got this at work. We had to wear it on Friday for wear purple day, you know, and they just, and we just keep accumulating, right? The stuff comes in and we don't consciously think about, is this adding stress to my life? So part of it is that, and part of it could be a a memorabilia attachment, Mm -hmm. right? If the t-shirts, for example, were from a concert that you went to 10 years ago, a team you played on. A team you played on. You're connecting your sense of, oh, when I, you know, back when I would yeah. go to this concert and I was younger. Back and when I was, I was cool. When I was cool before I had all these kids in the minivan, you know, and I would go to concerts all the time. You know, so there's, it becomes then, it's no longer clothing, it's memorabilia. And so I know I, we kind of got off talking about memorabilia, but a lot of us keep clothing that's not actually for the purpose of wearing clothes. Right. We're keeping clothing for an emotional purpose of remembering when we were that size or that time of our life. And and that's perfectly fine. But I tell people, if you're keeping clothing as memorabilia, it doesn't belong in your closet. Mm -hmm. The closet is for clothes that you Mm -hmm. wear. Memorabilia can be saved if you really want to save the shirt, Mm -hmm. but let's save it in a memorabilia area somewhere else. Is there a simple thing that say a guy or or a girl can say to themselves that that you like, that you recommend? listen to this podcast, they're motivated. Now they're going to go look at their closet and that one section up top that has the 70 t-shirts <laughs> or the whatever, or the too many pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. The one thing they can say is sort of an exercise in their minds, you know, simply basically, do I need this or not? But w- what do you say mm-hmm. to that? There's one phrase that I really like, and this is a quote from William Morris, who was an interior designer in okay. the 1800s. And he said, have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. So I consider useful and beautiful to be the two checkpoints that things have to pass Mm -hmm. if they're going to be in my house. It has to be one of those two, if it's both, awesome. So you're looking at the t-shirts, you're looking at the shoes, ask yourself, is this useful to me? Right. And the quote, if you remember, said that you know to be useful. Yeah. You only know something is useful if you are using it. Right. Right, it's not potentially useful. Like it's, it's a lot of things, anything could be potentially useful, but you know it's useful because you use it. So do I know it to be useful or do I believe it to be beautiful, right? right? And beautiful, you could just extrapolate to me. Does it bring me joy? Right. Does it make me happy? How do I feel when I look at it? Does, do I want to gaze upon these t-shirts and be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. feeling good looking at that t-shirt? No. Or do you look at it and you're like, oh gosh, 
Right. They got too many shirts, right? right? So I would ask yourself, is it useful or beautiful? Cool. That's and those, really are, those are some questions you could ask. So I like uh, in your starter guide, you offer a free starter guide. Yeah. You call it a starter guide? Uh, yes, the minimalism starter guide. Minimalism starter guide. I downloaded it several weeks ago. I like how you ask people to rank the toughest rooms or spaces in their home to declutter. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious though, for you with clients, which room do you usually see as being a room or, or a couple of rooms are the toughest for people? I think any room that, well, there's two actually, any room that has a lot of storage items because that's where you find a lot of memorabilia. Mm. That's where people have put stuff that they don't want to think about because there's probably some emotional mm -hmm. attachment. Like grandma gave that to me. Oh, I got to keep it. Right. And so storage areas are one, but also I think anywhere where there's a lot of paper accumulation. Huh. So home offices, kitchen islands, yeah. families with lots of kids, yeah. you know, wherever the kids are dumping the backpacks. So. Mm -hmm. It's sort of command center type areas mm -hmm. or home offices and storage, I think, are probably the two that people feel most overwhelmed by. Interesting. It's not what yeah. I thought you were gonna say. So No, what, what did you I'm curious, what did you think I, I was just gonna assumed say? everyone would probably go with like the, the go to spaces of kitchen and master bath. Mm. Or master closet, sorry. Okay. Yeah, not really. You know, it's, it's interesting, interesting, I think, because you're a realtor. Mm -hmm. Those are the two areas that everyone's looking at, right? right. We always right. want to check out the kitchen and the bathrooms in a house. Yeah. But when it comes to difficulty in letting go mm -hmm. and sorting through and just approaching, it's storage and paper-filled areas that people yeah. avoid like the plague. So you ask people to rank from one to five. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel when you walk into that space or into that room? One, I like as cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And then five is, uh, can I just close the door and pretend this room doesn't exist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So with that context, I guess I, I really do see, I think like workspaces, I'm thinking right now of the table that I, when I left the house this morning, you know, last night's drawing adventure was still everywhere. Yeah. You know, papers and, and, and colored pencils and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I could see that. Um, what, what is that room for you in your house typically? What's the room that maybe would surprise people that you're like, okay, we got to get this under control or is there one? Um, the, the place that I often think, oh, I kind of wish this didn't exist or I don't want to deal with it. it is for me storage. So the yeah. garage can get that way. That can feel that mm -hmm. way to me. The attic can feel that way or the tool room in the basement. Mm -hmm. Because again, they're not really visible areas of my house. Like the visible areas of my house, I'm going to tend to maintain a little bit better. But the areas that nobody really sees, it's a lot easier to just be like, well, nobody's going to know if I just shove this box of stuff in here. Right. Like, I'm the only one who knows. So not that I do that very often mm -hmm. anymore. I used to. That was like my MO. Don't know what to do with this box of stuff. Shove it in the attic. But those are the areas still that I can catch myself like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. So, for example, I used to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. I was a middle school teacher for seven years. Wow before I started my business. And um, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in that career, in that profession. And mm -hmm. so I had all my teaching supplies in boxes in the attic. Right. And every time I would go get Christmas decorations or the kids off-season clothes, I would walk by those boxes of teaching supplies. And it was like this just feeling of dread. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to deal with this. Mostly right. what it meant was I have to deal with my identity of who I am. Hmm. Right. You're holding on to these things that represent something that you found to be important to defining who you were, mm -hmm. but you're not using them. Right. You're not that person anymore. And so it was actually like when I let go, and this was just less than a year ago, right. that I finally went up there on a Sunday morning 
and I let go of all of it wow. at once. And I felt like I was jumping off a cliff. Yeah. It was this like, like unbelievable feeling. I mean, it was scary. Mm-hmm. I had mentally prepared myself. I mean, I'd been preparing myself for five years wow. to let go of it. So yeah, those types of areas in my house. So that's where if I was going to keep something that I wasn't sure about or that might make me feel guilty or question myself, those are the areas where I would put it. So those would be the, the more difficult areas for me. I wouldn't put my old teaching supplies in the living room. I would hide it. That is, uh, that's really powerful. I think that everybody listening probably has a space like that. Well, unless they've gone through the process that, you know, they have a past life. Yeah. Uh, air quotes again, past life. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah. for me, And that's was... the same thing with when you talk about the trophies that mm-hmm. people are saving or the t-shirts from the sports teams you were on, mm-hmm. it's saving a piece of your past life, your identity or on the flip side we save our future life sometimes there as well the treadmill that we've never stepped on but Mm -hmm. we're going to get on it Mm -hmm. someday the home gym the kayak that we bought because we're going to become an outdoors person yeah totally so it's it's anytime the juicer right the juicer i'm going to become a person who juices and so i bought the juicer it's going to happen um anytime that we're saving items that reflect a past life or a potential future someday maybe life I think those are the items that give all of us the most pause. Cluttering, simplifying, minimizing. It's, it's a hot topic right now. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. I mean, you mentioned some other, you know, media outlets or whatever that have, have popularized it, I guess. Yeah. it doesn't seem, at least in my memory, maybe, and it's a very limited view, maybe it was just my family. To me, growing up, it wasn't a thing. No, it wasn't a thing. Like, I, I remember going into my grandparents' house, and I thought it was probably the nicest house I had ever been in at that point in yeah. my life. But it was so full yeah. of stuff <laughs> and, and clocks and just blankets yeah. and pillows and just stuff everywhere. Golf stuff, yeah. Food stuff, right? Like I don't think this was on their radar at all. No, Ellen DeGeneres in one of her books says, you know, nowadays everybody talks about hoarders. We used to just call them grandmothers. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's true. My grandma's house was awesome because there was like cologne from the 1970s, like yeah. in my uncle's old bedroom. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? They just didn't throw anything away. No, I think they didn't. They, they felt something more like what I feel about the money. Yeah, they you spent know, on it. they remember that. Well, I think part of it, and I've thought about this a, a long time, and I've worked with a lot of different people of different ages, and I think I'm 38, so my mm-hmm. grandparents lived through the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And so they learned to save everything because you had to. I mean, that was a survival skill, was to learn to be very resourceful, right. save any everything, and reuse it as much as you possibly could. I mean, my grandma, when we went through her house, when she downsized, there were bags of zippers because mm-hmm. if there was a piece of clothing that was worn out, course she's going to make it into rags but first she's going to remove the zipper oh wow because you could reuse that right and they were organized big zippers small zippers but all the zippers were saved and that's something she learned i'm sure because of growing Mm -hmm. up without a lot of things and so you know then they give birth to the baby boomers who are like my parents who are in their 70s and so they learn kind of that stuff is security, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're living in this era where you work at a job for 30 years, you get a pension, you get a nice house, you fill it with things, and that's proof that you are secure. You're going Mm -hmm. to be rewarded for your service to the employer with a pension at the end of it, and now all of that existed. 
then they give those people, the baby boomers give birth to people like me, and I, I'm like a Gen X, I think, or Y. Yep. I'm 38 um, too, so we're right okay, there Okay, right yeah. at the cusp, like the millennials are all right below us. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of raise us with this similar thing where they're giving us lots of things, except now, unlike when they were kids, now the things are made overseas. They're very affordable. Mm -hmm. The American dollar is kicking butt. Right. And so they can give us so much. They've learned that stuff equals love, kind of to a certain degree, it's security. Yeah. And so they're giving us all these things, but they can give us so much more right. Right, than their parents who lived through the Great Depression could give them. And so then I think what's happening is sort of a... It's not, it might kind of be like a return to those earlier values or kind of a backlash because I think now people are realizing the environmental uh, destruction that happens when right. we overconsume. Not to mention the emotional thing that happens when we overconsume, right. which is what we've been talking about how we actually feel suffocated by yeah. our things instead of comforted or secure by mm -hmm. our things. And because we're also really mobile, and technology allows us to be mobile. Our security is no longer in stability with mm -hmm. having lots of things. Our security is in our mobility. Right. How quickly can I pack up and move to San Francisco to work for that startup? How mm -hmm. quickly could I move across the country for a new job? Mm -hmm. Hey, what if I wanted to be a digital nomad? Could I do that? Right. You can't do that if you have a hutch full of China. Right. Okay. Right. So it's not that people are really rebelling. It's just that society has changed so much where mobility is valued so much more highly than it was right. because of how society is. Right. So is it a trend? Maybe. I think it's actually just a reflection of how our society sort of our has yeah. changed, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be mobile. Mm -hmm. We don't want to carry a bunch of stuff with us everywhere we go. We want to be able to just go. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier if we don't have tons of things. Yeah, I always feel like I wanna be the person who gets on an airplane and just literally is carrying an iPad. Like, who is that <laughs> Who is that person? Right. Yeah, like, literally you're like, where's your bag and all the snacks and the <laughs> stuff the and, and like the laptop and the charger. Like, yeah. you see this guy, maybe a newspaper and an iPad. Have you or, seen this person? Does he exist? He exists or she Does. exists oh, sometimes. Wow. <laughs> they have it figured out they're better travelers than I am. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's mobility. So I can pick up my iPad and I can go get on the plane. I don't need to gather my jackets and two bags yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, it does. It's, it allows you to just be agile, right? Yeah. You can move through your life with ease. Same idea. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if you come across this. You can be like, because it's not something you, that I'm totally off. But I'm wondering how much of like the minimalism thing is a reaction to like our current pace of life. Like mm -hmm. we're so much busier. Everyone's like, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, me included. And it's like, we're just like craving some kind of, like I feel like when I get really overwhelmed with like my schedule or things on my to-do list or things to do, I'm like, I gotta go clean something. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And so sometimes it can be really helpful and sometimes it can be like an avoidance practice for me to like not deal with my life. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to, but then also when I'm done, I feel like oh, there's something, right. there's something that's like clean and like orderly mm -hmm. when I'm yeah. like, my mind is just, do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know how much of it, for me, it can be a reaction to like pace or yeah. general like overwhelm, but I still think it's a, like it's a positive thing because it's like, now I have peace and now you want to match your inner yeah. needs to match your outer. Right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's a hate it's my home is like a haven for me from like K 
chaos that can be done. Yeah. Like I walk into my home and I'm just like, oh. right. You know what I mean? But I don't know how much of it you think it's a reaction to like our current pace. I think pace. Or pace. I yeah. think it's definitely a reaction to the pace of life at which we live because it all plays together. I mean, the amount of things that we have and the amount of things that we do, it's all it can all become clutter. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can have clutter physically that you can see, but then you can have even more in your mind, mm-hmm. on your calendar, in your schedule, on your to-do list. And I think when we desire peace and calm, right, we're going to see how can I get a little bit of control over what feels chaotic. The easiest way to do it is to clean your closet, right? That's much easier than to looking at your commitments right. and looking at your to-do lists and doing the same thing and thinking, okay, what, what can I cross off? Mm-hmm. What do I need to let go of? It's the same process, right? You might get just as much validation by being on that committee as you get from owning that pair of shoes. Right. You're getting a sense of self in some way from both of those things. It's just a lot easier for most of us. It's a lot easier to donate the shoes than to say no to the commitment. Mm -hmm. At least it is for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've realized that that's sort of where I am in my journey right now is I've minimized. I mean, I've minimized the stuff in the house. Like I can still pick away at it here and there, but there's nothing really crazy in this house that I need to deal with. And now what I'm faced with is looking at how I spend my time, Mm -hmm. how I commit myself, how I show up, you know, am I present for my family? Am I present for my clients? Or am I just running, putting out fires all day? And more often than not, I find myself doing that. And I'm like, I got to practice what I preach. I have to learn to say no to things and I'm learning how. And for me, that is much more difficult to let go of than the stuff ever was. But I think for people, it can go both ways. Sure. Some people struggle. They, they attach a lot of their identity to the physical things. Mm-hmm. And so the physical things are very difficult for them to let go. They'll say no to being on the committee. They'll turn down a job mm-hmm. offer. But to let go of that teapot, oh, it hurts. Right. And right. on the other side, some of us struggle with letting go of the pace. And, and really, it it's all comes back to that same thing. It's having more than we can appreciate. When your schedule is like that, when you've got so many to-dos, it's mm-hmm. more, it's excess. Right. It's just like food, right? We could eat an excess of food and we don't feel good because mm-hmm. it's more than we can enjoy. It's more than we can comfortably digest. Mm-hmm. We can pack our day the same way we can pack our closet and we don't enjoy it and we know it because at the end of the day, we're exhausted and we drop into bed feeling like a failure. Right. And, and that is a sign that we have to address the things in our time the same way we address the things in our closets. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we try to go about it by addressing our closet. And that does help. It provides a little relief. But also, like you said, that also might be just a distraction from the more difficult work of getting real about how much you honestly want to take on in your life, how much you can do well and feel proud of. Yeah. And that, that's hard. But it's, it's a great, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Interesting. I think the the place where so many of us maybe feel like we fall short, I mentioned it briefly earlier, can be in regards to the kids. Yeah. So I want to spend a minute or two <laughs> on the kids. Yeah. Uh, I know you have triplets, and yeah. obviously I have four kids, but there's this balance between we want to give them the best life, we want yeah. them to have quote unquote have the air quote have the things that they want or need. But at the same time, it seems to be their stuff in the car, 
their stuff in the kitchen and in the family room that's bringing us stress. Yeah. And then it's actually hurting the relationship because we're always right. mad at them. Right. So do you have any good tips or, or, or pointers for parents or grandparents who just always want to give the kids things but yet are having a hard time getting them to, uh, to take care of it, to take care of their things? Yeah, so I, in my book I talk about this specific issue and I say, you know, children don't bring clutter into your home, parents do. Hmm. And that is the truth. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll tell you, I, when I started this journey, I really thought the problem was my kids right. and my husband. Mm -hmm. It's like, it is them, it's Josh, it's the kids. They're bringing all this stuff in, the toys and the, the shoes and the t-shirts and right. everything. And when I went about doing this, I had the wherewithal to realize that if I approached it by trying to make them all change, mm -hmm. it wasn't going to go well for right. me, right? right? It's a losing battle. It's a losing battle, right? Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. I say, be the change you wish to see in your house. So if you're mm -hmm. feeling frustrated by the things that your kids have or your spouse has or your brother-in-law has or whoever else lives with you has, my advice would be don't deal with it. Deal with your things. Mm -hmm. Deal with your shoes. Deal with your t-shirts. Deal with if you're in charge of the tools or the kitchen mm -hmm. things. Deal with those things, the things that you have jurisdiction over. And then what you do is you set the model and the example for how you want things to go in the house. Hmm. And then at that point, hopefully by then they take notice. They usually, on. Yeah. usually they do. And, you, and sometimes they'll even just start getting on board without you saying anything. But at that point, you have the ability to approach them and say, hey, I really want our house to feel more calm. Mm -hmm. I hate that I yell at you guys in the morning mm -hmm. and at night to clean your stuff up. It's stressful and that's not how I want to how I want to be. I want us to have more fun together. So I was wondering if you would like my help cleaning up your room. Yeah. And it, you approach it like that where they've already witnessed you doing this in your own life. Right. And you approach them with the why of it. Mm -hmm. I think too often, especially with kids, we don't give them a why. Sure, we don't communicate. Right. We just say, clean it up. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. You know, and I, I probably did that last weekend. I'm not right. saying this is someone who like is like <laughs> right. the perfect parent. I'm certain I said that last weekend, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we approach them with the reason, even little kids understand, yeah, I want our, I don't want mom and dad mm -hmm. to feel stressed. I don't want them yelling at me. I want our home to feel calm. And you invite them to participate in this with you. Now, if they're mm -hmm. under the age of five, forget everything I said and just do it while they're sleeping. Yeah. Because they're too little to know. Right. And they're too little to help or conceptualize how maybe donating something might help another kid. Like they really can't think like that. Right. But once they're five and up, I do recommend you get them involved somehow. Yeah. So, and keep it very age appropriate. So don't, if they have a toy room that's stuffed to the gills with stuff, that's overwhelming for them. Right. I mean, I've walked into toy rooms with a parent and it's taken us five hours the two wow. adults, five hours just to get it manageable. Wow. So you can't do that with a six-year-old, right? right. There's a reason they're not putting their toys away. They're completely overwhelmed, they're overwhelmed. by yeah. this, <laughs> totally. right? So you might need to do it first to help them mm -hmm. or break it down into maybe just books. Like today, let's just go through your books and which ones do you still love and which ones could we let go to another mm -hmm. kid who doesn't have as many books as you? Yeah. So you don't frame it like, let's get rid of your books or which ones aren't any good, but which ones do you still love and enjoy reading right. and which ones could we let go to another kid who doesn't have as many books as you? So a lot of it is in the way you approach it. Yeah. And again, you're just focusing on one category, books or just yeah. stuffed animals or just Barbie dolls or just right. matchbox cars. 
right? Because if you try to present them at yeah. a young age with every the single toy, it's overwhelming. And we have to, as parents, accept that if that's a situation that our kids are in where the amount of toys they have are so overwhelming that they cannot maintain it, mm -hmm. the fault is ours. Yeah. It is ours. We cannot blame them. I've walked into rooms where parents say, my kids just never put anything away. And I say to them as gently as I can, no you know, put it, probably. I say, if you asked me to put things away in this room, I wouldn't know where it goes either. Interesting. I wouldn't know. Yeah. You asked me to put away a pair of roller skates in here, I have no idea where that's supposed to go. <laughs> right. And that's not the child's fault. Right. Right? Yeah. And I don't want parents to feel guilty. My God, we already feel guilty enough about everything. But I, I'm not feeling guilty listening okay, to you say good. it. I'm, I'm glad feeling you're, like everything needs a place. Everything needs a place. And it needs to be, I say, intentional and painfully obvious. Yeah. Like it needs to be so clear yeah, label it. where the Barbies go <laughs> right. that it would be ridiculous to right. not put them there. I mean, you guys are in my house. Like if I asked you to put away G.I. Joe's, where would you put them? There you go. Right there. If right I asked you to put away Transformers, where would you put them? There you go. If I asked you to put away library books, where would you put them? Yeah. It's clear. It's yeah. painfully clear. It would be ridiculous for you to not put them in the bin that has a picture of G.I. Joe's <laughs> on it. And those, by the way, talking about things we save, those are all my husband's G.I. Joe's oh, I from had his childhood. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's the takeaway for me thinking about my kids. It's, it needs to have a place. I'm yeah. probably the one who brought it into the house. I'm probably the one who bought it anyways. Yeah. So you might as well give or them a place to put a it. a grandparent bought it and you as the adult in the house allowed it to sure. come in, right? Yeah. And so then if you, if you want to get into, you know, how do you communicate this with other people who are bringing things in, you know, you have conversations, respectful mm -hmm. conversations. Like, hey, we're trying to simplify and... You know, we were really trying to give the kids less physical stuff and more experiences. So mm -hmm. for Christmas, we'd love if you'd buy them maybe an art class or karate lessons or something. And, yeah. and the grandparents very well may ignore that and buy them whatever they want anyway. Right. And that's fine because mm -hmm. they're adults and they can do what they want. But so are you. Right. Right. And so if they load the kids up with all sorts of blinky plastic, you can right. say thank you. That's all you got to say. Right. And then you can let it go if it doesn't fit with your family's values because yeah. you're the gatekeeper of your home as the parent. Yep. And so I think that's those are some of the things that I have told parents and that I tell myself, mm -hmm. right? Because sure. I'm, not in, I'm not in charge of what my in-laws or my parents buy my kids, but I am in charge of how it is when it gets into our house, mm -hmm. right? Do my kids let go of an old toy to keep the new toy? Do we mm -hmm. donate the toy immediately? I mean, these are all things that have happened in my house because I'm right. in charge of it. So I, I hope that some of that is helpful. It is definitely. To parents. Yeah, and you can go back to the two things that you're thinking about: value, you know, present. Does it does it give value right now, or is it beautiful? Yeah, is, right? it, useful is it useful or beautiful? And I think too, one of the things that helped my kids when they were younger, I started a one-in-one-out practice with them. Mm -hmm. So if they got new things, let's say they got three new stuffed animals. Well, can you find three things that you're ready to let go of? Sure. And they have, in my daughter's room, she has a donation box mm -hmm. in the room where she will just add stuff like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. She'll just put it in there. So my kids, it's become so normal and natural to donate things yeah. that it's just a part of their life, which I know for me growing up, there was no constant donation box where I just added things mm -hmm. as I yeah. was done with them. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I would have put my homework in that box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just <laughs> homework and vegetables. That's all I don't need. <laughs> Donate those. <laughs> the box is full. Oh, that's great. So I want more people to get their hands on your starter guide. Um, so how can they do that? 
So the best way to do that is to go to my website, which is roselounsbury.com, and that's R-O-S-E-L-O-U-N-S-B-U-R-Y.com. And you can click right at the top of my front page and you can get the starter guide and it will help you make your own plan for how to go through mm -hmm. your house. Because I think a lot of people want to do this, but they get stuck because they don't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. and when people ask me where to start, the answer is, complicated because the answer is it depends yeah and so what the starter guide does is it teaches you how to go through your home the way i would go through it with right. you and how to make a checklist a customized checklist for yourself ranking the areas from one to ten and then you have a plan where you can go where you can get started on your own journey that's great as i was going through it i was sort of wishing i could apply it to other parts of my life like my business or like yeah. my calendar even like yeah it's funny that we ended up talking about that and that is an area of minimalism that I am exploring a lot more. And actually, mm -hmm. if you look at my blog, I'm writing a lot more about some of those areas. That's cool. Because that's kind of my journey. Like I'm evolving mm -hmm. past dealing with There's my stuff. Yeah. I'm evolving towards dealing with other areas of my life. Well, your name, Rose Lounsbury, sounds like somebody who would be very good at this. Oh, well, that's, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Like, Michael Jordan sounds like a good basketball player to me. Rose yes. Lounsbury sounds like a, a good simplicity coach. Oh, well, I'm glad that I, I hope I live up to the expectation here. Well, thank you. This is a little bit of a left turn for us uh, on the new Dayton podcast, but I think given like we talked about today's pace of life and just the way that we're sort of taking a look at the way that things were always done mm -hmm. and sort of rethinking them, right? Yeah. Like how oh, Uber did to the, to the taxi business, right? Yeah. But like we're looking at the way it was always done and saying, no, I wanna do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's very prevalent in, in our community, just like it is in other communities. So I think it's a great conversation. I hope people love it. I hope so too. I've enjoyed it. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, share it with your friends. Uh, take a screenshot on your phone. Post it on Instagram to your story or to your feed. Post a shot on Facebook. Please help us spread the word about New Dayton. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us a review. And I want to give a special thank you to Katie Matthews for producing and editing the podcast. And a thank you and a shout out to John Waldron who created all of the music for the podcast. Also, last thing, if you have a guest recommendation, please connect with me on Instagram, chip underscore James, or email me at chipjames at gmail.com. Oh, and one last, last thing, check out the website, choosingdayton.com forward slash new Dayton. Thanks again.